Now then, welcome back, Sadders, to another episode of the Sitcom Archive Deep Dive Overdrive with me, X Benedict. And me, Alison Barton Simmons. Oh, that was very excitable then, weren't it? You were very excitable, yeah. <laughs> well, we're onto, onto the second series of Dear John now. We just finished the first series of Dear John and we're now starting the second series. So this episode was broadcast in 1987 on September the 7th. And it's uh, the first one of series one and its name is A New Member. Al, are you excited for this one? I am. I've got a bit of info to fill in from, from the last episode. Oh, go ahead then. Do you remember how we said that the the ratings dropped slightly with the final episode of the first series and we were really surprised because you think that people would want to find out hmm. how the how the series ended? Yeah. I, di- I did a quick check and it was actually broadcast on Easter Sunday in 1986, which is a bank holiday... And it was on 15 minutes earlier than it would have normally been on. So I think it probably... Obviously, now, if you want to check what time a TV show is going to be on, you just Google it, don't you? You can just find out in a, in a couple yeah. of seconds. But if you'd have sat down at, at half eight on Easter Monday in 1986, nope, halfway through already. Well, you might not even have known it was the season finale because that type of stuff, like you say, the internet didn't exist. Yeah. Unless you had your radio times. And it said so in the Radio Times, and you got your highlighter pen out to show. Did you used to do that? I'd have had it circled, me. Yeah. I'd have had it. Yeah, I still, I still do it at Christmas. Did you have a highlighter pen that was different than your sister's highlighter pen so that you could differentiate between what you <laughs> Who was going to watch what? I think I probably yeah. just had a by roll. I don't think I was allowed highlighters. We had, I think I had a, I had a green one. She had a pink one or something. Yeah. And then occasionally we'd both highlight the same oh. show that we were interested in. But if there was something on... You know, but this is talking about the early 90s. If yeah. there's something on three channels, then it was a discussion to have, wasn't it? Because you'd only be able to video record one of them. Record one. Watch the other one. Watch the other, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, pistols at dawn situation. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So that was just, just wanted to clear that up from, from last week as to as to why perhaps the ratings fell. Well, the ratings fell for this one as well. This one we're about to deep dive, a new member. It only had 8.6 million viewers. Oh, that's a big jump down. Mm. Big drop down, not a jump. Big, big fall jump. down. <laughs> big fall down. A collapse. A collapse of um, of uh, viewers. Yeah, uh, I think there was some drama that was quite good on the other side with Timothy Dalton and Joan... Joan... What's Collins? Yes, that's the one. Joan. Oh, that'd do it, yeah. You just say Joan Sanderson. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Joan... Co- yeah, so everyone was watching that, I think. So this one only... I mean, it did creep up as, as Series 2 went on. Hmm. But this one, only 8.6 million. But nevertheless, you will enjoy it. Yes, you will. I think the other thing we should probably say before we get stuck into this into this episode is mm. that since we last recorded an episode a few weeks ago, because I've been on holiday, yes. Anna Karen from On the, on the Buses has died. Oh. Linda Barron from Open All Hours has died. And World War Three has broken out. Yeah, and well, I, don't, I don't think we're guilty of any of those. We've not. I'm superstitious. I think we should make, <laughs> try and make sure that we don't miss any more, just in case. Because you never know. I know. Putin might not. Putin might have been preoccupied waiting for this podcast to come out. I think he probably is. I, I like the faulty towers. <laughs> it's very, very funny. He's not so much into Dear John. You said you like Count Von Count from Sesame Street. That's what it is, isn't it? <laughs> they probably don't have them. Dear John letters in Russia. No. Probably dear Oleg. And it's like, <laughs> That's we'll, it. We'll put, we'll put a nerve agent in your underpants <laughs> and that'll be the end of the relationship. Just one episode. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Not to make light of the, of the situation. Obviously yeah. it's awful, but we're going to try and, um, 
and not push our luck by yeah. missing any more. We'll do all of them in a row now. <laughs> um, I've got a quiz for you before we get stuck in as well. Oh, no, the other thing I was going to say. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, I've got so much information to impart. I like this. People have been watching Dear John on Forces TV. Yeah. Uh, I just thought some people might be interested to know, if they didn't already, that if you have Forces TV, they're now showing Sorry as well and Watching. Really? That's very interesting. I didn't know about watching. Yeah. So you'll be watching that, won't you? I'll be watching watching, I think, yeah. Can you get Forces TV? I think we can, yeah. I think it's like right at the arse end of all the channels. Hmm. But I think it's on there. What about Sorry? Were you into Sorry? Are you going to watch that? Um, Not so much. It had a brilliant theme tune. It did, didn't it? It was like proper really like, funky. wah wah funky guitar, weren't it? Matt Berry, who did that album of um, yeah. theme tune covers, like The Good Life was on it and Rainbow and stuff like that. Yeah. But the best one on that album, I, I suppose I t- technically we're reviewing it by talking about it, so I could probably drop a little bit of it into the episode. Yeah. It's Ace. You should check out Matt Berry's theme it's such tune a, album. It's such a good album, isn't it? it? It pops up every so often on my Spotify list. Yeah, and and I forget it's there. And if it's on like just random, one of them will just pop up, and it's it's like always a joy. Makes me skip. Imagine you're like on the train and so it's yeah. like, oh, what are you listening to? You look like you're enjoying yourself. Thank you from sorry. Wicka wow. Sorry. <laughs> so there you go. I thought I'd just put that tip out there. Forces TV's got some great old British comedy on it at the moment. Mm. They previously had shows like Shelley on as well, which I really like. That I don't know. That just that gives me the bit of gives me a bit of a, a creepy feeling, Shelley, and I don't know why. Is that Hal Bennett specifically gives you the creepy feeling? It might feeling? be, yeah. Yeah, he is a very um, intense looking... I think that's what it is. He just gives me a bit of a... Ooh, dude, doesn't he? Feeling. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. He had also had a, he also had a very... Um, I don't know what the right right adjective would be, but he had a voice that went right through you. Do you know what I mean? It could be that. Yeah. Quite an intimidating guy. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want to bump into him in a dark alley. <laughs> anyway, right. Okay, so we've got. I've got a game for you. Okay. I've got a game for you to play. Brilliant. Run the theme tune. And Brucey's back with another high or lower base, this time on cameo prices. Washed up stars selling messages from themselves, signifying midlife crises. <laughs> Right, so do you get the idea what I we're going to do? I think so, yeah? yeah, I think so. I will start off with one and give you one. Give you a comedy actor yes. of yesteryear and tell you how much they're charging on Cameo or what is it, one memo, something like that. Isn't it? And then I'll tell you the next one is and you'll have to say whether it's I am my love. Right. All right, my love. I can do that. So we'll start off with John Cleese, who we already discussed, I think, in series two. Yes. He charges, or rather he did, he's not on there at the moment, presumably because he's busy making documentaries about woke culture or some shit. <laughs> he really he really is basil faulty these days. 
he was charging at least, at least 250 quid a throw for a video where he would abuse you. That's you know, pricey, if you come for an it? argument. Pricey. It is pricey. So you'll have to guess higher or lower. And that's oh, it's pretty easy because I've given you a high one there with John Cleese. Yep. But what do you think? Ricky Tomlinson, Jim from the Royal Family, of course. Do you think he's higher or lower? I'm going to... I'm going to say lower, definitely. You're going to say lower. I it's am. a safe bet, isn't it? It is. Would you like to have a guess at how much Ricky is? I would say... I'm just going to go for a round £100. £100? Pounds. Not a round. Not a round £100. Pounds. A round £100. Pounds. Oh, I see what you mean. Well, you're still way off, to be honest. <laughs> All right. 100 quid my ass. It's 45 <gasps> quid for Ricky. Is it really? Yeah. Okay. Are you right. having that one, Dave? <laughs> Uh, so there you go. There's Ricky now. It gets harder from now on, okay? Okay, right. The next one, and we've got to work out if this is higher or lower than 45 quid a throw, a throw yeah. is uh, the lovely Sue Holderness from Dear John and more famously from Only Fools and Horses where she played Marlene. You thought I was going to do it, I didn't did. You? I was ready for it then. I was ready for it. I'm, I'm going to say lower. I'm going to say that Sue Holderness is lower. Than Ricky Gervais. No, not Ricky well Gervais. Well done. <laughs> no, she, she'd definitely be lower than Gervais. Um, yeah, she, you, you got it right. She's only 35 quid a throw. I was is, thinking uh, £35. I was thinking that would be a fair a fair punt. And she'll she'll sing you how... I've looked at a few of hers. They're a bit cringe. She'll sing yeah. you happy birthday and invite you down to Nag's Head with all oh, the boys. Oh, bless her. Okay. And a little sing song. Yep. So there you go. You're doing well. The next one, we're back to the royal family. Ralph Little. Is he from Bolton? He sounds a bit Bolton. He's. I think he was from Bury. Went to Bolton School. I think he lived sort of like in between Bolton and Bury. So Ralph, he's on there. Higher. Is he higher or lower than thirty five? Higher than thirty five. I think he's quid? higher. Yeah, slightly. Well, I think Ralph's on the bone of his ass because he's willing to knock one out for nineteen quid. No, nineteen quid for Ralph. Okay. Although we should say at this point, actually, that. A lot of these celebs are donating their fees to the Ukraine okay. um, relief at this point. Right. So maybe maybe he's, he's on offer, is Ralph. Yeah. So maybe, maybe, maybe he's just being philanthropist. I saw something the other day where he was he was in Runcorn. I think it was on TikTok. Um, he was in Runcorn and, and sort of like leading people to believe that there might be another two pints of lager and a packet of crisps being made, perhaps. Oh, right. Hmm. Don't they regularly trot out that teaser, like, year after year after oh, year? Oh, do they? Maybe I'm just... Uh, I can't see Sheridan Smith lowering herself, can you? No, she's like... <laughs> These days. Yeah, she's. I bet she's not charging £19, is she? <laughs> well, actually, I'll have a quick break, for, quick break from the higher or lower, and I'll ask you this question. Mm. Is this independent of higher or lower, but how much do you think uh, Olivia Coleman is charging? Oh... Oscar winner. Was hmm. it Oscar or was it a Brit? Uh, no, it wasn't a Brit. They're my, they're my singers, well, aren't yeah. they? <laughs> <laughs> Do you mean a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go to a hundred because obviously Ricky Tomlinson was nowhere near that, mm. and a hundred is obviously. So you basically think the the economy of scale is lower. For, yeah. for these, yeah, than you might have thought. Well, you're well under because she's 750 quid. <gasps> no way. 
you've got to have a real hard on for Olivia Coleman to pay seven hundred and fifty. That, mo- that is a lot of money. It is. I mean, and again, she's donating she a lot, uh, if not all of it, I think, to Ukrainian relief efforts. But seven hundred and fifty subs, bloody hell! Anyway, that was independent. I'm not. You've not lost anything there. Blimey, I'm not very good at this game. You got two right out of three. Oh, okay. All oh, right, well, no. Oh, okay. I'm better than I thought. They are absolutely safe. <laughs> you got that on your BFH. Okay. So, Ralph Little was 19 quid. Right. Higher or lower, Norman Lovett, who was Holly in Red Dwarf. Um, I'm going to go against my gut feeling and say lower. Oh, you should have gone with your gut feeling. <laughs> Norman is a notoriously tight and bad-tempered man yeah and uh he's therefore well i don't think the bad temper's got anything to do with it but his uh fondness for cash means he is asking a ludicrous 64 quid <gasps> right okay norman love it 64 quid i can't believe that wow uh just a couple left for you then okay mm. so i think you've got i don't know what two out of four now so 64 quid higher or lower leslie joseph who was dorian in birds of a feather lower 50 quid you're quite close, 40 quid. Okay, yeah. 40 quid. I think that's quite a reasonable figure. Yeah, to, to get, get her to, to say get, something to um, flirtatious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. batter eyelids at you and show a bit of cleavage probably. Yeah, yeah. I didn't actually check out any of any of Dorian's. But I did check out the next one, which was Ted Robbins. Okay. Then Perry the fat pig. <laughs> so... I clicked on the first one to see what it said, and he's looking off camera, and he went, and I have warned you, she has got a cock. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I think higher than 35 quid. No, it's 40 quid for Leslie Joseph. Oh, right. In my head, it was 35. Okay, let's go. I think, I still think higher. Still think higher. Yeah. Ted Robbins, cousin of Paul McCartney, of course. Uh, you can get a personalised message from that man for 22 of your English pounds. Can you really? Oh, so he's more in the um, in the arena of Ralph Little then. It seems all the Phoenix Knights ones are dirt cheap. You can get okay. Archie Kelly, who did Kenny Senior, to tell you a load of yeah. lies for 25 quid. <laughs> and you can get Neil Fitzmaurice, who was Ray Vaughan, and also Jeff in Peep yeah. Show for 30 quid. So there we go. I think you got you got four out of seven. Oh, that's all right, isn't it? Over half marks. I think. Yeah, that's not bad. Oh, well, it's just a 50-50 game, isn't it, really? Who knows? Of course it is. Exactly. Because, you know, it's all based on their own um, self-worth, a lot of these prices, aren't they? That's it, isn't it? I don't... Oh, but it's... It, oh, I think Ralph Little's really underselling himself for £19. Although he's given it all... Maybe it would in, encourage more people to do it because it means it's all going to a good cause. Maybe. I mean, there's some curious ones on there, like that guy who plays Mr. Big in Sex and the City who's been accused of all sorts of things. He's on there for like 250 quid, and I'm like, who's getting that now? Oh, dear me. You know what I mean? A lot of the American ones are very pricey. Yeah. John McGinley, Dr. Cox, £305. Nick Frost's on there, 188 quid. Norm from Cheers, 94 quid. You can get... Uh, Sorry, and I got really obsessed with this. Yeah, you you can get um, Melora Hardin, Jan from the office, three hundred and seventy five pounds. I hope I get a free candle with that. <laughs> That's what? What? That is extortionate. You get a free vasectomy and a vasectomy <laughs> yes, reversal. Snap! 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 <laughs> so there you go. Shall we get stuck into the episode? Let's do it. Dear John. 
So it's a new series and a new opening credit sequence, Al. Yes, it threw me a little bit. Yeah, I don't know why they did it, because it wasn't strictly necessary. I thought the the opening credits of the first series told the story quite well, but this is a bit more abstract. It's all like set set against a white screen, isn't it? Yeah. We see Wendy unsheath the pen and write a letter, and then she leaves a wedding ring, and then John comes in and reads it, and then notices a one-to-one club ad in the paper, but... The first series did all that in actual settings, whereas this one, he just seemed to be in like the equivalent of a green screen, but it was a white screen. <laughs> yeah. Do you think it was just to just to sort of remind you? Let's just remind them what the viewers what the story's about. Well, perhaps, but the episode itself starts with like five minutes of recap that wasn't really, yeah. really necessary because John, is, when the episode starts, he's on the phone to Wendy using a, a phone at a public train station and they're talking about Toby's schooling situation. Mm. And they're having this sort of debate about whether to tell the truth for the school interview. And and John, he's not comfortable with whatever Wendy's asking, but he makes his excuses because he's got to go and catch a train. Yeah. And then you get like his inner monologue kicks in and the exposition's there about Wendy wanting him to lie about their being divorced to get Toby into the better school. And he says to himself, I've never, I never lie, which is, which is a lie. <laughs> he's lying about lying. I know. He's a, he's a pretty deluding man. He is. But you see, all this rumination and monologue, it nearly makes him miss his train, doesn't it? And he just sort of just gets on it in the nick of time, like Indiana Jones style, doesn't he? With the he does. Behind him. Slides through the doors, yeah. And then when he's, on, when he's on the tube, he's just sort of standing in a throng of commuters who are staring blankly into space. And his inner monologue's continuing, giving us this recap of all the central characters of the show. Yeah. And it wasn't really necessary, was it? It was like literally to set up the start of a new series in case yeah. he'd forgot, but it was unnecessary, yeah. I felt it was a bit unnecessary because he's, he's just stood there. This scene goes on about three minutes and you yeah. just hear his monologue. Oh, I'm off to the one-to-one club on a Friday night. And, <laughs> you know, Kirk the Burke and Ralph will be there and Mrs. Arnett and a hat. Yeah. And he lists all the characters and I'm like, yeah, I think we know John. <laughs> I think we know him. Well, there you go. I mean, why didn't the BBC just repeat the first series before showing the second series? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just as a, as a definite reminder, yeah. You know when you're getting a train, you're rushing for a train in London. Mm. It's not like everywhere else, is it? It's not like Bolton when you go, driver, wait a minute, driver. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I got me shopping. You're getting on the train or you're going to get trapped in the door. And when yes. I used to follow Everton home and away, I used to go down. And the Scousers would always make me laugh, going, hold that train, lads! <laughs> never, there's this, never this fella trying to hold the door open for all his mates <laughs> on the tube. You're not used to that London, are you, mate? <laughs> anyway, so John's on the tube, and then he's getting a bit maudlin, actually, lamenting to himself why he ever got divorced, isn't he? And he's... Yeah. He's blaming Wendy, which is quite fair. And he says, I've never... Well, he doesn't say it. He thinks, I've never been yeah. unfaithful to anyone. And I'm one of life's good guys, model parent, hardworking, conscientious, very responsible person. 
which yeah. I, I think he is a good egg, although I know you start to have these doubts in recent weeks. Mm. All this, he's, he's feeling a bit sorry for himself, I think, but he's, he's saying, I always obey the rules and I you know follow the country code and everything. And he says, oh, this, thinks. This is brilliant. I even carry a condom with me at all times because Claire Rayner says I should. And I didn't get that reference. Was there some sort of advert on, was there? I think it was a big thing. Around this time, I think there was a big push on safe sex because it was like around the time of, of AIDS, and stuff, AIDS yeah. becoming in part of the public consciousness. I think yeah. Claire Rayner was like at the forefront of, which she, she always was, of like safe sex and chatting openly about using condoms. Um, but I did like the fact that he said, I carry a condom around with me at all times, next to my donor card. But I wonder which one I'll use first. Yeah, that was a good line. Brilliant. I don't remember that advert. I remember an advert for the for the sanitary pads with wings. With wings, yeah. Yeah. She was at the forefront of that as well. Yeah. I like I loved Claire Rayner. I thought she was sort of made it possible to talk about things like this. Hmm. And and it, and for it not to be like a dirty secret that you can't talk about with other people. I'll have to see if I can dig out that video then on YouTube or something and share it. Is it just Claire Rayner saying, wear a nodder? It, it, might, it might have just been on, um, on like, you know, like Pebble Mill at One, you know, that that kind of show, some kind of magazine oh, TV show. Oh, fuck me, she didn't oh, get this, like a cucumber oh, and show you how to put it on over it, did she? Oh, I don't, do you know what? I don't know. I'm not going to say no, because I'm guessing at some point that's probably been a thing that she's that she's done on, on like live TV with Richard Maidley. Oh, my God, oh. can you imagine a worse combination? Yeah. Richard Madeley's favourite. You know, everyone says he's Alan Partridge, and he he thinks that's yes. yeah. He said, "Oh no, that's that's just what people say." I think people overplay that. But when you read some of the things he said, the worst one when he said to a someone who was anorexic, who was like, I don't know, five and a half stone, he went, "Well, that's mm. concentration camp thin. That is." <laughs> and like, you can't say that to someone. No. You fucking lunatic! Oh my god, he's such a tit, isn't he? <sighs> but Claire Rayner, yeah, yay, yay, she was a goodie. Claire Rayner, yay. Richard Madeley, nay. <laughs> no. <laughs> his thoughts are interrupted as he realises he's nearing his station and he blurts out, excuse me, this is my condom to a passenger <laughs> as he bustles past. Uh, and with that scene settler that was hardly needed out of the way. <laughs> yes. We cut to the club where Louise is on the blower, isn't she? Yes, Mrs Arnott's going to be late. Yeah, yeah. Mrs Arnott's telling her she's got to look after a neighbour or something. I, I read into this that the neighbour, it, was it the neighbour's son that mm. she had to look after? Because the neighbour, she'd been accosted on the train by some degenerates bounted obscenities. Mm. Was that John? I think it was supposed to be, yeah. Is that supposed to be John? Right, because okay. you did see a woman looking a bit sort of shocked. But all he did yes. was say condom. I mean, condom. It's, hard, it's a bit OTT, well, isn't it? Do you think not it was... everyone's Claire Rayner, though. We're not all as forward thinking as Claire Rayner, perhaps, at the time. Yeah, maybe. She was probably very shocked at the thought of condoms maybe it was mary whitehouse it was probably men can be such brutes louise says to mrs arnett she's got a new member coming that evening and the men are far more of a challenge because they hide the truth behind their egos protect their pride with a burst of prevarication and gird their loins with plausibility it's very louise that isn't it it is but the way she delivers it is excellent it is it's a strong episode for louise's psychobabble 
this one. It is, it is. And I tried to sort of, I tried to sort of listen in on to what she was saying rather than just letting the word salad just like flow over me. Mm. I thought, I'm just going to listen. And it's actually, yeah, it's actually really interesting some of the stuff that she comes out with. But I can imagine the one-to-one club, it just literally washes over them as they go, what? I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, and she's clearly got the ego herself whereby she's playing up to the sort of um, faux intellectual yeah. thing. Do you know what I mean? Yes. She's not making it clear. When she's talking no. in these riddles, she's, if anything, she's overcomplicating it. Yeah, it's a very elitist way of talking to a group yeah. of people, I think. Very Thatcher. Yeah. She hangs up on Mrs. Arnott with a, with a super chow. See you when you make it, dear. And then Kate arrives with, with a bob. She's wearing a bob. She's got her hair done. She's got a bob. She has. Yep, she's caught up with the fashions of 1987. <laughs> it felt more reminiscent of a character in... Um, 2.4 children, 2.3 children. 2.4 children, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Locked an arm off then, sorry. 2.4 children. It was more, yeah, she looked more recognisable. That was her look in that whole in that whole yeah. run of six or seven series, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Louise tells Kate that Mrs Arnett's running late because of this situation with the neighbour. And Kate's clearly lost none of her feistiness from series one to series two because she has a good yeah. rant and overreaction about this situation and the need, about men and the need to protect women better, which is all valid, but she's so angry. It is. Very yeah. acerbic, isn't it? She is, yeah. She's, yeah, she's she's definitely carrying more than one chip on her shoulder about her previous yeah. relationships and, and the failings of men in her life, I think. And then we get Sylvia arrive, who in this series becomes a cast regular. Oof. Do you not like Sylvia? I just find her irritating. Because of the, the laugh. And the... I think I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to find her irritating or not. But she like laughing like a seal at everything. Shut yeah. up. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> yeah. Well, she does arrive with that usual OTT laugh and Kate and Louise go and make their excuses and actually have a bit of a bitch about the annoying laugh yes. and what hard work she is. So you're right. She is supposed to be annoying, but she's a, a sweet and lovely person underneath all of that. Yeah. I think the upshot is that it transpires she's moved from the Wednesday night group to the Friday night group because somebody in the Wednesday night group tried to mow her down in the car park twice. <laughs> so, yes, I think we are supposed to find her annoying. Clearly the Wednesday night mob did if they tried to yes. murder her. In cold if they tried to run her over, yeah, it's it's obviously um, just the way she is, isn't it? Uh, but if we were to think that Sylvia is the eponymous new member of this episode, we would be mistaken because back in the one-to-one meeting room, Tosh from the bill saunters in, doesn't he? He does. Wow. He's a vision in double denim. Double denim and Elvis sideburns. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he's a, he's a complete mix-up of um, themes. Yeah. Fashion themes, isn't he? Yeah, double denim's a strange look for, for a faded 60s rock star, but yeah, I don't know. I don't really know what they're going for with the way he looked, but um, you maybe talk more about that in Fashion Corner. But Yeah. He, he's talking about his roadies and a concern over his attendance being leaked to the press and Sylvia doesn't know what the hell he's on about. Yeah. And she says, are you somebody then? <laughs> Which is quite like <laughs> the wording of that. It's like, are you, are you actually somebody of import? Are you actually somebody? Mm. Unlike the usual shower of cretins who turn up <laughs> <laughs> And he says, see if this jogs your memory before singing that dreadful lyric and, and doing a proper dad jig to accompany yeah. it. Yeah. For someone that's supposed to have been a big a big star, he didn't really have much rhythm or talent voice. Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah, it's just really cringe. But again, yeah. it's supposed to be. He's, he's incredulous that she doesn't remember him from that, and he says, "I'm Ricky Fortune from Ricky Fortune and the Fortunates." Yeah, 
yeah, she doesn't know who he is. And then John arrives and, and Sylvia greets him very enthusiastically. I think maybe she's still carrying a flame for John. Possibly, yeah. She's, she just like lets out a really high-pitched squeal, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah, I think she still likes John. And then Ricky, Ricky Fortune repeats his god-awful song in front of John saying, yes, it is me. Oh. Tragic. Yuck. But John's bafflement is expertly delivered by Ralph Bates, isn't it? He's, 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 yeah. He's, he's like, his mouth's sort of just opening and shutting and then he starts <laughs> to say something, he doesn't know what to say and he just stands up and leaves, bewildered, doesn't he? <laughs> he says, I knew I shouldn't have come out tonight. <laughs> Any sexual problems? Ralph's talking about philosophy and how he thinks yeah. that Louise is good at talking about it. Mm. But he didn't really believe it. But then he's been out and bought a book about existentialism. Yeah. Which is a very un-Ralph un- un- thing to do, I think, isn't it? This is where, where Kirk says, Ralphie, why don't you call me? I know a builder. <laughs> which is, yeah, a little bit clumsy. We get it. He, want, he thinks yeah. he wanted an extension, but yeah. But Ralph's had this epiphany, hasn't he, after doing the study, and he's he's contemplated his being and probed his psyche and ferreted yeah. around his subconscious. <laughs> so I'm quite pleased for Ralph that he's um, started looking at being introspective. Absolutely. It seems like a bit of a switch in, in sort of character, doesn't it? It does, but Louise actually wisely counsels him that too much self-analysis and too little learning can be a bad thing, which is true. You know, navel-gazing is... yeah. That is a pitfall of modern talking therapies, isn't it? That you'll just end up woe betide me. Yeah, and not doing much about it. Contemplation minus interpretation leads to an introspective and sterile philosophy devoid of a perceptual and conceptual synthesis. <laughs> Postulation denied interpolation plus discursive reasoning equals a polarisation of the subconscious antecedent. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think it goes deeper than that, Louise. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> John gets testy and asks Louise to hurry things up. He says that Ralph's been playing around with his inner self and he's old enough to know better. <laughs> he's just getting a bit bored, isn't he, I think? Yeah. And I think that his patience is being tried by Louise's sort of kind of showing off with her pop psychiatry. Yeah. And Louise... At this point, she introduces Ricky formally to the group. And uh, after a little more psychobabble, she actually invites Ricky to take the floor. So this is where Kevin Lloyd sort of stands up and he says, you obviously all know who I am, but I'll go through the formalities. He's really not getting the fact that his fame was fleeting. and No, nobody has a clue. He's not full of self-awareness, this man. And he, to be fair to him, he, he's immediately very open and... Um, sharing with the group because he tells the tale of how he and his wife split 18 months ago yeah and he says all his friends were embarrassed and really pig ignorant and they wouldn't allow him to talk to them about what he was going through and he said this is the first opportunity i've had and i thought that's another sign of that stigmatization in the 80s you know that we've had yeah. with alcoholism and other things yeah don't talk about it yeah bury your feelings don't talk about it because it'll make me uncomfortable yeah so i felt i felt bad for ricky the pillock at this point did you yeah Yes, I did. I did. I thought he's, he's there with a purpose. He's there to actually get some kind of help into at the encounter group. Mm. And Louise actually points out to him something about stripping away his ego and his idea of self-importance, which again I thought was, was quite um, insightful, yep. you know? Yeah, definitely. He says he was married at a druid wedding ceremony at Stonehenge. 
But um, the marriage didn't last. And it shouldn't have surprised him. How many marriages last in show business? That's true. And then the group visibly perk up at this, don't they? Because they're like, oh, he's famous. And to me, based on his behaviour to that point, it should have been fairly obvious that the guy thought he was a, a known figure. Yeah, yeah. Show business? You're in show business? Yeah, I've been in the business most of my adult life. Have you ever been on television? Yeah, lots of times. I thought I recognised you. Didn't you used to play the curb crawler in Sesame Street? <laughs> yeah, they're all like suddenly excited, apart from Kirk, who looks noticeably peeved at the, the idea there's a bigger fish in the room than he is. The attention that this man's going to get that he's taking it away from him. But it, t- it turns out that Rick was big in Iceland. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. Kirk says, well, f- first of all, Kirk says, uh, were you the curb crawler in Sesame Street? <laughs> Was there a curb crawler in Sesame Street? No, I wouldn't have thought I so. Would you? No, I don't think there was. That's a bit clumsy, isn't it? Is he getting mixed up? Maybe. But then he says, well, I've never heard of you. And then Kate's sort of mocking him and says, you've never heard of Sesame Street until your remedial reading classes. And Kirk challenges, says, all right, Tiger, have you heard of him? And she has to admit that she hasn't either, really. Yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't look like anyone in the group has heard of Ricky. And as she said, this is where he says, well, I went to number one. In Iceland. <laughs> in Iceland. John says that he was he was one of the biggest fans and he had all the albums. Mm. Which again it just contradicts him not being a liar. He was he was insistent earlier on in the in this episode that he wasn't a liar. Mm. And now this I suppose this is kind of like white lies, isn't it, to make somebody feel more comfortable and make them feel better. But he gets himself into a pickle by by lying. There was no need. No, most of his lies are harmless. The, the only person they ever hurt usually is him because yes. it comes, comes back on him. Yeah. Like I say, he's a, he's, I think he's a good, uh, empathetic man and he's trying to make the guy feel better because he looks crestfallen. Yeah. But he, he overshoots it because rather than just saying, oh, I remember you, yeah, you were good. He's like, I've got all your records. I mean, yeah. why would you say that? You're going to be quizzed on it. Because Kirk, Kirk says that he doesn't believe John and says... Um, John, well, John's a goody-goody teacher and he makes Joe 90 look sleazy. Um, yeah. Despite the fact that when Kurt asked John to get him a date with Kate, he nearly slept with her. Yeah. So yeah. That's quickly been forgotten. It has, hasn't it? Well, Ralph, Ralph's saying, well, this band are very popular in Iceland. And Kirk says, well, so Oskies. <laughs> <laughs> Kirk asks John, he says, all right, then, what's, what's your favourite record? And obviously he's oh, struggling. No. Yeah. Kirk's humiliating Ricky, really, it's yes. because he's threatened by him. So Louise quickly brings the meeting to a close as it's gone nine. So she says, oh, I think we best finish her. And that's where Mrs. Arnold bursts in late. <laughs> and she sees Tosh, uh, Ricky, and she says, oh, Ricky, like some Aww. prototype Bianca Jackson. <laughs> I loved this. She's so excited, bless her. And then so's, um, so's Ricky. He's made up that someone actually knows him. Yeah. What a cutie. I like Mrs Arnott. I'm sorry I'm late, everybody. I had to look after my knife. Oh, Ricky! <laughs> so we cut to the pub and, and Ricky is still sort of bearing his soul to the group and, and this <laughs> now includes an enraptured Mrs Arnott who's hanging off every word with one of her cocktail, <laughs> as usual. 
this it really made me laugh this because Tosh was talking about his his relationship and, and Mrs. Anna asks, but what about your fan club? Because obviously she thinks he yeah. he must have like thousands of women throwing themselves at him. And Kirk says they were all wiped out in a tandem crash, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was a great line. <laughs> yeah, he's, te- he's Kirk's teasing this guy mercilessly. Yeah. Well, Louise is still kind of orientating Ricky about the group and talking about the social side of the club, isn't she? Yes, yeah. She says, you will have fun. And Kate says, honestly, it's a laugh a month. (laughs) (laughs) Louise is really annoyed at that as well. She looks really cross. Yeah, I think she takes some great pride in her her role as facilitator. Yeah. But then she says, we used to do walking holidays until one member was knocked off Scarfell Pike. We used to organise walking holidays in the Lake District until we had a very unfortunate incident 3,000 feet up Scorfell Pike. One of our members was accidentally knocked over the edge. You mean they were killed? Oh, no, no, no. You weren't hurt, were you, dear? (laughs) Cuts, bruises and shock, that's all. She managed to hang on to a twig until the helicopter... (laughs) And Louise got it on cinefilm. And um, she must show it at one of the meetings. Well, this already we can see that Sylvia's role now is kind of to become the butt of Louise's jokes. Yes. I think yeah. in a future episode you see Louise like tease a story out of Sylvia under the pretense right. that it will do Sylvia good, but really it's just like, oh, this is a belt that you've got to wear this. <laughs> so they can piss take, yeah. So for all of her psycho babble, she really just likes a salacious gossip and, yeah. and, and stories. That's the kind of guy I am. At the bar... Ralph asked John if he'd really heard of Ricky Fortune and the Fortunates, and John admits that he hadn't. And Ralph says, I thought so. And this is where John's saying he has trouble telling lies. So maybe he's saying, I tell them, but they're not convincing. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he, he does say that he, he did it to get Ricky out of the hole because Kurt was being mean to him, which is quite, I don't know, it's come from the right place, hasn't it? It's come from a good place. But like you say, any, any lies that he tells just seem to make his life worse. Yeah, he's. I think he is just bad at it. I mean, like I say, the embellishment mm. that he had all the records was unnecessary yeah. and digging a, yeah. digging himself deeper into a hole. Mm. So John explains about this Catholic school situation to Ralph, that yeah. he's trying to get Toby in and he's not comfortable lying, but Wendy wants him to lie and blah, blah, blah. And he says, well, you know, Wendy wants me to pretend I'm still married to her. He says to Ralph, would you do it? And Ralph says, oh, I don't know. I've never met your wife. <laughs> Again, Ralph Bates' reaction as John. He's, he's a brilliant reactor. Yeah, he is. Yes. So at this point, Kate and Ralph and Louise, Sylvia and Kirk, they all leave sort of independently, I think. Yeah. And we're just left with John, Mrs. Arna and Ricky. Ricky asked John if he really remembered him and if he really bought all of his records. And John says, yes, I did, you know. Thankfully, he isn't quizzed on that any further. Yeah, thank God, yeah. And then he leaves doing that embarrassing 60s shuffle again on his way out, which just, yeah. oh, I find him really annoying. I don't mind yeah. the actor, but I just find the character really cringe and pathetic. and It's irritating, isn't it? Yeah. Cringe comedy almost, which, I, as I said before, is not my cup of tea. Yeah. So we cut after that to the Catholic school interview, and there's this sort of scary-looking nun looking suspiciously at John and Wendy straight from the office, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. And there's uh, a priest... Slash head teacher. I can't really decide what he is. I think they would have been the same thing, probably. Would they? That's not normal, though. I mean, going to a Catholic school myself. 
you get convent schools, but you rarely see a priest who's a teacher as well, because priests are far more important than men. You know what I mean? So why would the priest be doing the interview then? I don't know. I think it was a. I think it was written by a man who doesn't know a lot about Catholicism oh, because okay. they also refer to the mother superior as mother. You know the way a priest gets referred to as father. Yeah. But mother superiors don't get called mother. I don't think. Okay. I stand. You know, I stand to be corrected, but I think it was just a little bit of ignorance on behalf John, John Sullivan, possibly. Okay. Right. So there's a there's a bit of um, preamble and some small talk about rugby between the yeah the priest stroke head teacher and John. And it sort of seems to all to be going well. And he says that Toby, he thinks Toby would fit in well at the school. He asks them why they want Toby to go to St. Bede's. Mm. And Wendy confesses that it's principally the school's reputation, which I actually yes. admired her for because she's being honest. Why not? Yeah, good answer. Uh, and when the priest asks whether they as parents would be willing to get involved in the school community, John says, yeah, I've got plenty of free time, except for Fridays when I go to the div- div- divinity class. <laughs> He sort of does a nice save, doesn't he? Just about. He does. The priest and the nun love it, though, don't they? They're, like, well happy. Yeah. Ooh. He sort of cocks it up again, then, because he says he spends most of his evenings in his flat, uh, in, in um, Wendy's house. <laughs> and the, the nun says, Wendy's house? He says, oh, Wendy house. In the garden, we have a Wendy house. <laughs> it just gets worse. <laughs> oh, yes, we encourage the parents to take part in the school's extracurricular activities, uh, PTA meetings, fundraising, and so forth. Unless, of course, your time is already taken up with social and community pastimes. Yeah, I know, plenty of free time. On Fridays, I do go to the Divinity Club. (laughs) (laughs) But the rest of the week, I'm free. A divinity class, did you hear that, Father? I most certainly did. (laughs) So, if we need anything, always assuming young Toby's accepted, of course. Of course. Uh, We'll know where to contact you. Yes, I spend most evenings in my flat... In Wendy's house. Wendy's house? A Wendy house. In the garden, we have a Wendy house. <laughs> and most evenings, you're in it. It's, it's suddenly sort of disintegrated into a John Gordon Sinclair farce comedy, hasn't it? Yeah. At this point? Yeah. yeah. A Wendy house, and in the evenings, you're in it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I keep rabbits in the Wendy. It's just, yeah. Yeah. Not convincing. But he seems to have saved himself again until right at the end when the priest asks for the paperwork. And in pulling the paperwork out of his wallet, of course, his condom that he mentioned right at the start falls out on the desk. It's a Durex feather light, which I was actually surprised to see existed in the 80s. (laughs) There you go. And it just falls out. He says, Clyde Rayner says. Love it. And that's the end of the episode. Seems we've sung love's last song, dear John. I thought that was quite a, a big topic for the for the eighties, for the mid eighties. The contraception thing. Contraception, safe sex, AIDS. I think that, that was quite quite topical and quite. They didn't really go near AIDS, though. Really, did they? There was an AIDS poster. Oh, was on there? The wall. Yeah. Yeah. There was, a, was, it, was there an AIDS poster? Or have I just made that up? Where? In the one-to-one club in the community centre before they go in. Yeah. In the corridor. I'm sure there was an AIDS poster on the wall. Ooh, that was de- that would definitely be a bric-a-brac spotlight. 
Well, I, there was an, an AA poster. There was an Alcoholics Anonymous poster. And yeah. there was another poster underneath. I think it was an AIDS poster. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely wouldn't have been in the school then, would it? No, it wasn't. No, no. <laughs> Catholic school on the wall. In the vestry. I remember going into a, at my granddad's funeral. And my, we were at that funeral and it was at a Catholic church. And then we went to the Catholic social club. And Al, you know the way Ali's got a really quiet voice most of the time? Yeah. Except when she shouldn't. Right. When Sorry, when she should have a quiet voice. And she right. she decided she wanted to buy some condoms. And she's like, they've got no condoms. And I said, no, it's a Catholic <laughs> Catholic social club. <laughs> so did you actually, on the, on the subject of bric-a-brac, did you spot any other pieces of bric-a-brac in this episode? Uh, it was it was definitely an AIDS poster because I've got it on my list here for bric-a-brac. Okay. Um, so yeah, and I thought it was quite a, a quite a topical thing and just interesting because I think the BBC do that quite often. Even now, they sort of some some might call it walk, others might call it just being at the forefront of promoting things that need to be promoted, perhaps. Mm. So yeah, I noticed that. My other bric-a-brac was the mention of it's not an item though. It doesn't matter though, does it? Oh, go on. Just the, the mention of clunk click every trip. Oh yeah, and I'm, I'm 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 I know I'm paddling into muddy waters there with the connection with Jimmy Savile, um, but yeah, it's obviously it's of a time, isn't it? Clunk click every trip. Was that him? Was it? I didn't remember yeah. it as, as being him. Yeah, one of his hiding in plain sight things, I guess. Yeah, such a good guy. Hmm. The the other break of brack I got was the uh, pump in the in the pub for skull. Oh, skulls, 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 skulls. Why aren't you singing? I don't know the words. <laughs> yeah, I used to like a pint of skull, although in hindsight it was probably piss. Yeah. What about MVP this week? Did you get Did you get one? I think my MVP this week is Ralph. Okay. Just, just for no other reason apart from the fact that he seems to be finding use of the one-to-one club and bettering himself by going to the one-to-one club. It seems to be something that is helping him to become a better Ralph. I have got exactly the same answer. Hmm. And this is Ralph's first two MVPs, which is amazing, really. Oh, double whammy. Well done, Ralph. You would have thought he'd have got one for the episode where he was dabbling Darren, but I don't think he did. No, I don't think he did, did he? The only other contender for me was John for pretending to remember Ricky's band, but he made such a pig's ear of it. He did, yeah. Yeah, beyond that, definitely Ralph. Do you know what? I wonder why Wendy didn't just take Mike to that. <laughs> I mean, I know it, <laughs> I know it's that type of thing that we always say, like, yeah, then you haven't got a situation for the comedy mm. in the situation comedy. But, um, yeah. She could have just took Mike and pretended it was Toby's dad and then, you know, jobs are good. And- <laughs> yeah. It's a strange one, isn't it? Because then they're not married. And are they just setting themselves up for further down the oh, line yeah, and lies and trying to keep up pretends? That what if what if Mike leaves her or what if she leaves mm. Mike and then he's disappeared? And again, I don't think it was actually that big a, such a deal. In like I I was in this period, I would have been mm. going to to church every week, Catholic church, yeah. as a eleven year old or whatever. Right, ten or eleven year old. There were divorced people there. It wasn't such a big deal, you know. But maybe right. it differed from parish to parish. It depends how old school your priest was. Yeah. I don't know. But I used to, yeah, I wasn't really a very great Catholic, really. I remember getting involved no. in, um, <laughs> I got involved in Amnesty International at one point as a kid. While still being a Catholic? Well, well, the two wouldn't be mutually exclusive, would they? 
I just I don't see them both fitting within the same sort of parameters, perhaps. Well, I don't know if there was any conflict there, but I know that the amnesty lot and probably the Catholic lot either wouldn't have agreed with my somewhat extreme 11-year-old views because we, we were put in, there was like a youth amnesty group and we were given like ethics situations to discuss. Do you know what I right. mean? Because obviously it was all about prisoners of conscience and they used to write yeah. letters to them. And there was like a situation where, I don't know, I can't remember the specifics, but let's say what should happen to someone who mugs a pensioner and beats up a pensioner for their pension or something. And I'd be right, like... Okay. And you get you get all these young sort of earnest do good kids type of thing, yeah. you know, with good hearts. Some of them are, again religious, sort of saying, "Well, um, they should be rehabilitated or they should be punished, but they should be made to understand the repercussions of their actions." And they come to me, I was like, "Harvest their organs. <laughs> <laughs> There's people out there need livers and kidneys." <laughs> <laughs> I remember the leader of the leader of the group was just like, Jesus, what have we got here? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't go back. I don't think I was invited back. <laughs> I'm not that extreme anymore. I don't want to harvest the organ of organs of no, anymore. No, no, that is that is extreme. And yeah, I was I was very black and white as a kid. Not, I'm not very tolerant. Yeah. Okay, shall we have a trip to Fashion Corner? Let's do that. Whatever. It seems we never wear those clothes no more. Fashion code. This week I've got uh, this. There's there's lots of green again. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'll just preface this fashion corner with 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 that mention. However, we, we start off with Louise this week who, when she's on the telephone early on in the episode to Mrs. Arnott, she's in a red and white striped open-necked collared blouse. And I thought it was really pretty. Mm. I didn't want to mention weight, because I don't like It's none of my business, somebody else's weight. Um, but it looked like the the, the actor, she'd, she'd lost a bit of weight between series, perhaps. Mm. So the look of the, the, the top, it just looked, for, I don't know, a little bit different on her I don't know she had a massive collection of gold jewellery on as well and it's jewellery that I remember my mum wearing so like like a chokery thick gold necklace earrings we're, we're moving more towards the 90s the look of like the 90s clothes I, I think and I know we've not moved on much it's only like a year mm. but I feel like there's been a bit of a, a slight shift okay Kate is in like a ditzy floral blouse shirt. The haircut that we mentioned earlier is quite significant because it's in the more of the the bob shape that we recognise from that actor in the 1990s in 2.4 Children, which I think that was the thing that made me feel like we'd moved on a little bit. Mm. And and we've seen it from like the 70s when we started with The Good Life in the mid-70s. I think we've seen that shift... Um, especially with the women and their fashion sort of throughout the decades that we've that we've looked at so far. Sylvia, quite green, pastel sage in a collared blouse and skirt. She had some wonderful 1980s dynasty shoulder pads. Mm. Very sticky-outy, obvious shoulder pads and costume jewellery. Like a beaded necklace. Again, she had the kind of um, beaded necklace that, um, that Louise had had on. Ricky Fortune, Ricky Fortune, yeah, Tosh, yep. 
double snow washed denim. Not mm. just any old denim. It was snow washed. That very, very pale denim look. With his t-shirt um, tucked into his jeans. Yeah. Which is obviously an I 80s thing. Oh, jacket, the jeans, a, a white striped, open necked. I think it was like a granddad collar. You know, like when there's no collar, it's just like a little sticky up collar. Um, just bleh, just horrible. Bleh, horrible. Um, but I can imagine former stars from like the 60s and 70s can imagine that being like a costume in the 80s i'm thinking like status quo i'm thinking oh um, yeah. Yeah, yeah those that have had like major fame earlier that that seems to be quite fitting of, of what they the someone in that position might have worn trying to look still relevant it's interesting the choices they made around him i mean yeah. those, those big mutton chops that he had the buggers grips yeah they were like very elvis yeah bit dated as if to denote from a different time yeah it's not really an 80s look really is it it but but the guy clearly lives in the past so maybe that's what they were sort of you know intimating what they were going for Mm. Mrs Arnott very green dark moss green cardigan one of her felt hats and a sage pussy bow blouse I think we've said in the past that she's perhaps taken on the, the the fashion ideals of Louise with these blouses, she might have had one of these blouses on right at the beginning. I can't remember, but she definitely did in one. Of, yeah, you mentioned her wearing a pussy blow. Yeah, pussy blow, pussy what? Pussy, pu- a pussy blow oh. blouse. Uh, Wendy, stupid Wendy, shiny, pale pink and blue checked suit. I thought it was white initially, mm. but uh, in cl- on closer inspection, it's more of a, a pale pink and blue check, quite large check suit. And a white blouse and a crucifix, the Crawley Bumlick, because she obviously mm. wanted to look good for the priest and the nun. Yeah, stupid blending. Yep, that's everything for, for Fashion Corner this week. Talking about the priest, he had a pair of uh, Dennis Taylor glasses on, didn't he? He did indeed, yes. His upside Don't down like glasses. Them. Oh, they're a bit weird as well. I think they're a bit um, serial killery. Do you think? Yeah. You don't. You, you wouldn't just wear them for, for for like for your eyesight, would you? You wouldn't just wear them for going out. Well, they also make me think of that character from the Fast Show. You know, the zany office guy, right? With the curly hair, who was yeah. always trying to be a, a character. Yeah. You know, that's kind of what Dennis Taylor was in Snooker, wasn't he? He was the ca- yeah. he was the the zany character. Crazy me. Yeah. Oh, like the Tim Timmy Mallet of Snooker. <laughs> yeah. Imagine he'd come out instead of using a cue and he used a big fucking hammer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mad me. <laughs> You're a lunatic person. They should put you home for fruitcase people. You can follow us at Saddle Podcast on Twitter and Instagram where we post rare photos and videos on Dear John, Faulty Towers and The Good Life and more. We have a Facebook page you can find by searching Saddle Podcast. And we also have a growing Facebook group that you can join and contribute to with discussions and memes and rarities that you might find yourself. This is where we post the episodes we deep dive each week. And for now, it might be the only place where you can catch Dear John. Subscribe to our newsletter as well by visiting our website, saddle.club, where you can also get more information about us, read our blog, show us a coffee and listen to episodes if you don't do podcast apps. Get in touch Email us at saddlepodcast at gmail.com and subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. So next week we're on episode two of the second series. Do you know what it's called, Ben? 
I think it's called confidence. I've got written down here confidence. And I think it's mainly about Ricky's confidence coming back because he's, again, in this episode, he's he's just in two. Okay. Thankfully, no more than that. And I watched it fairly recently, this episode, and it's it's a bit of a slog, I'll have to be honest. It's probably the weakest of, of them all, but um, still some good gags in it, still some funny parts. So, yeah, we'll deconstruct it next week and try and not be too harsh on it. Okay. So we'll see you then next week for Series 2, Episode 2, Confidence. I'll see thee. See you then. By the time you read this life, I'll be gone. Life goes on, right or wrong. Now it's all been said and done, dear John. Seems we've sung love's last song 